the optimal life. Hey, Kyle, how you doing today? Nate, I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, so your story I find to be really ironic because you specialize in personal injury, medical malpractice. You're a plaintiff's attorney and uh, you represent people that have come under unfortunate circumstances and situations and you're going about your business and you're going about doing this. And all of a sudden something horrific happens to your mother. Take us back. Let's start there. Take us back to the day that your mother had the uh, uh, encounter with the, the vehicle. Well, yeah, Nate. Um, first of all, I, I agree with you. You're right. It is. I mean, it is ironic. Um, you know, my mom was out on a walk. Uh, think about take yourself back to April the 20th of 20, April 28th of 2020, just as you know, right as COVID had hit. Um, my mom used to watch my, my uh, sister's kids. My sister's a physician down in Orlando area, and she'd watch her kids after school. But with COVID, uh, you know, were you supposed to be around kids or not if you're a little bit older? And so my mom was uh, uh, told, you know, maybe don't watch the kids, but certainly go out and uh, feel free to get your exercise. My mom was very, very active. She was a person who, for her 60th birthday, uh, ran a marathon. Uh, because she wanted to run a marathon to prove she could do it. So she had walked 10 miles uh, three days before she was killed. She was out on a walk. She was five blocks from her house. And, um, you know, the worst imaginable thing happened. She was uh, walking across the street uh, in a crosswalk with the walk sign. It was all caught on video, which I have never watched, but um, police and other experts have. And, um, and she was run over and killed by a concrete mixer truck that was taking a right-hand turn on a T intersection to try to kind of beat the green light and ran over and, uh, and ran over and killed my mom. And oh, uh, how, how did you, that's, that's, I am so sorry to hear that. Yeah. Oh, what a shocking uh, life event that you and your family have to endure. How do you, how do you, what, 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 what's the phone call like? How do you find out about what happens? Right. And so just, just for a, a little bit of perspective, right. You mentioned, I've been doing this work. I graduated from law school in uh, 1992 and went to work for a personal injury firm uh, in Florida the Monday after law school. And I ended up moving to Colorado about four years later, but spent my entire career uh, working in and then building uh, a personal injury practice. And so, you know, when you're in that, you see things happen to families that you never expect that they never expect. And in the back of my mind, of course, in doing this work for so many years, you think, oh my God, I hope that like, hope it never, that randomness never hits home. It never happens in my world personally. Mm. And, um, and, and, and really I had, uh, I had just finished a, a, a workout down in my basement. I uh, was running that workout by eating a barbecue sandwich uh, up in my kitchen. And uh, my cell phone was sitting next to me. I was kind of looking at some news and uh, the phone started ringing. It was my sister who lives in Orlando. And I know from her practice, she has to wake up very early and she has kids of her own. 
and it was a little bit after 10 o'clock Orlando time, just a little bit after eight o'clock Denver time where I live. And um, I thought that was odd. Like she doesn't call me at 10 o'clock, but I answered and, um, you know, she said to me, uh, you know, Kyle, um, the Winter Park Police Department just left my house and my sister lived in a suburb of Orlando called Lake Mary, not Winter Park, but my mom lived in Winter Park. My sister did not say everything's okay or I'm on my way to the hospital. So I instantly, she said, the Winter Park Police Department just left my house. And I said, is it mom? And she said, yes. And my next words were, is she dead? Because it was just that kind of a, a conversation. And she said, yes, she's been killed. And I was said, what, what, do you, what happened? And the only information that we had at the time uh, was that a police officer had come to my sister's home, asked if she was related to my mom and said, um, I'm sorry to tell you that your mom was hit by a car and killed earlier this afternoon. Um, and uh, we're just making a notification. Here's the number for the medical uh, examiner's office. You can call them tomorrow. And that with that, with that, um, you know, our entire lives changed forever, of course. What do you think it was, Kyle, that you had some kind of intuition, it sounds like, when your sister calls you? It's not 10 o'clock at night, I believe you're talking about, because it happened yeah. earlier in the day. Yeah. And for you to say, was it mom? And then is she dead? I, that's such a bizarre question to ask. What was what was causing that? Uh, you know, I, I really think it was, one, my sister didn't call me uh, that late. Two, when she, in a very kind of plain, you know, she wasn't crying. I'm sure she was in shock. They had just left her house. I was the first call that she made uh, after, after the notification occurred. And it was just the way, you know, she just said, uh, the Winter Park Police. Well, why would the Winter Park Police be leaving my leaving her house? Uh, and so, to me, it must be something related to my mom. And then she, like I said, she didn't say it's okay or or you know, mom's with me or she, you know, she. I don't know. I just yeah. immediately knew that something horrible uh, must have occurred, and I didn't know whether maybe my mom had had a heart attack. You know, I don't know. She was in good shape, but you don't. So I, I just started with, is it mom? And then went to, is she dead? And, and she was dead, unfortunately. Jeez. And for you, who's been doing this for decades and living in this world on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, as you've already pointed out, you were able to always see it one step removed. And you would say, God, please don't, don't have this horror come knocking on my own doorstep. And then it did. You, you had to go into a state of shock almost when you got the call and then the days following. Yeah. I mean, um, and it is ironic because I've talked to so many families uh, and I, and I really felt if you had asked me before the experience, I, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on, uh, on that experience, having talked with so many families walking through it. And, um, and I didn't, you know, I didn't, you can't. It's like um, somebody, if you have kids, somebody, you know, has pets and you have a kid and there's a difference. You have a kid and instantly, you know, your world is different. And, and so um, this is not like the pleasure of having a kid. It's the worst imaginable thing that could, could happen to your family to have somebody killed who you love, who is there one minute and literally erased off the face of the earth uh, in, in a, a second and um, and gone forever in the middle of 
their day in the middle of their life with no mm. planning and no. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I walked upstairs and my wife was uh, doing actually uh, folding some of the kids laundry and I could hear the kids in their rooms and I just walked upstairs and um, my mom was known to our extended family as big sissy. And that was the name that she went by. She was the oldest of three sisters growing up and they all called her big sissy. And so my whole life, other than I would call her mom, uh, but everybody in our family knew her as big sissy. And so when it came time for grandparent naming, she said, I'll just go with big sissy. And that's how she was known. And so when I walked upstairs, uh, I just walked up and said to my wife, I said, I just got off the phone with my sister. Big sissy was killed tonight. And, yeah. and my wife burst into tears. The kids came out of their rooms and um, you know, you just begin dealing with really what is an unbelievable set of circumstances where, especially for a guy like me, like I'm a fixer, you know, people you're, maybe you are, you, give me a problem. You know, I'll, let's, let's figure it out. We'll, we'll fix it. When you're confronted with something like this, um, you, what do you do next when it's something so horrible that it can't be fixed? There is no, and, and so you, you know, what do you do next? You, right. You, and that's where you came in. And this is what caused you to then write your book, Unthinkable? Was it this occurrence? Well, uh, yeah, I, I tell you what, that's, that's right. What, what happened to me was, first of all, in the midst of all of this horror and terribleness, um, we find, and, and people with other tragedies where sudden loss occurs, right? You find there's a, there's a lot of decisions that you have to start making. Uh, and in this case, you know, uh, I, I had some knowledge going into it, right? So I know that there's a police investigation and I know that the impact of that, but there's a lot of other decisions. I mean, my mom had pets at her house that were waiting to be fed dinner that she never came home for because she only made it five blocks away. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's just the, the estate. Is there a will? Is there no will? What did you do at the property? You know, uh, who, what, what are the next steps to protecting your family and your interests and the pets? And, mm. and so, uh, all of this stuff and, and you're in really a very vulnerable state where you should, it's very difficult to make any decisions. Probably if you ask me in my entire life, what was the worst time in my life ever to ask me to make an important decision? It would have been in the week or two after this occurred uh, uh, to my mom. But yet there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. And here my family's turning to me because of my years of practice in this area. And my sister is asking questions. Once we first, we didn't even find out uh, immediately that it was a concrete mixer truck. And that's important because as a lawyer, I know, Hey man, that truck company's out there there. We learned they're out there investigating. Uh, they're out there trying to talk to witnesses and defend and, and uh, you know, th there's evidence. Meanwhile, we don't even know. And then my sister's asking me, you know, Hey Kyle, I mean, isn't this guy going to go to jail for a long time? I mean, he, some commercial driver driving a big truck, you know, in broad daylight runs over and kills somebody. I mean, what's going to happen to that person? And, you know, my sister also said to me, 
uh, Kyle, you know, I was up at night. I was looking on the internet to try to find out some information just about what was going to happen to this guy. And she said, you know what? I start typing this in and all I find is basically attorney ads saying, Hey, almost as if congratulations, somebody has been killed. Call me and I'm going to get you some money. Uh, and that's the last thing. And she's, so she brought that to my attention. Uh, and as time went on and we had to work through all of these various decisions, I realized that, um, well, first thing I did is when I, when I got my senses about me is I, I looked because lawyers, you know, sure they're marketing online and they're usually hiring companies to do that. But I wanted to see what, what were we doing? And I looked on, and we were kind of doing the same thing, you know, not intentionally, but, uh, but kind of putting ourselves out there. Hey, somebody has been killed or injured, you know, uh, call us and we can help, but not really answering all of these questions that, that families are actually confronting that are so much bigger and more important than whether to hire a lawyer in that moment in time. And, right. and so, and so yeah. I, I don't know. And so through that process, I realized, you know, who's better to help families walk through the questions and, and, and try to provide some path and answers to what's going to happen next and what's important um, than somebody who not only has done it professionally, but has walked that path and had to answer those questions in our own family. That's interesting. The perspective that you had on the marketing piece for your own law firm. It's almost like the the family that's grieving this horrific event goes to find somebody and it's kind of just, it's emotionless. It's, it's congratulations. We may be able to get you a settlement or some kind of monetary uh, reward, award for, for in, in exchange for the life of your loved one. And you're saying, oh, we, <laughs> there's a lot more that needs to go into this thing. So talk us to us. Let's get a little practical. Let's dig into your book a little bit and your step-by-step. Okay. Somebody that's listening that may be going through this, or maybe one day we'll have to go through this. Um, your book is not for someone that's already in the firefight. I mean, it, it is, it's a resource, but boy, when you're thinking clearly, it's a good book to read proactively so that you can prepare for it. Hey, what if we have to face doomsday like Kyle has done, like millions of other people have had to do? So take us through. Somebody has a horrific thing happen to them similar to what you had happened. They lose a loved one for some random occurrence. Where do they start? What's step one? Well, yeah, and, and I will tell you, I agree with what you said. And, and that is, you know, th- this book is, um, yeah, it's very helpful for people who had this happen to their family yesterday, but it's uh, it, but for people who just want to be informed, you know, Forbes put it on their book a list for executives for summer reading for people who just want to have information about uh, about ha- how to handle life's consequences uh, be- because of this, because of what you said, and that it is it, a lot of, of important information. You know, the very I tried to build it chronologically in the order in which these things are likely to uh, to happen, and the first, of course, is. Um, the investigation in and of itself and something that I, I refer to uh, kind of, and, and I have in my practice in the past is kind of the, the police lottery. And what I mean by that is um, you don't know when something horrible happens. Um, we like to believe that we can just depend that the police are going to be able to do the correct investigation. But in fact, it's dependent upon a lot of things, most particularly when and where the event happens, 
you know, if something happens to you in uh, New York City, these guys probably deal with this all the day, all day. But if you, something happens to a, a family member in a rural area, you may find a police department that deals with uh, investigating uh, a serious injury or death case uh, once a quarter, once a year. Um, and then it depends on which police officers are on duty. Who's not on vacation? Who's not on another call? They get your call. They're coming out to your scene and they're now in charge and maybe they bring other people in, but they, to a lot of these investigations, it's completely dependent upon a lot of circumstances that you don't control. And so the first thing that I think is important is for families to understand that you have every right to figure out, to be told, you know, who's, in, who's involved What's the level of competence of the people involved? And I don't mean it in a negative way. And we work with police departments all the time. And police department and police officers are the first, when they read this book, they're the first to say, you know, Kyle, you're exactly right. You know, some people are, are better trained in it. And, and then why does that matter? Because we all have seen it. What happens after a horrible event on a roadway? They close the road. They complete their investigation and they want to open the roadway as soon as possible so that life can go on for the rest of us so that traffic can move. But that evidence that's procured in that in that time is, is fleeting. And so you may not be able to control what happens at that particular moment. But within 24, 48 hours, getting people out there, uh, if you're if you're not comfortable with the level of investigation, having access and finding and knowing how to find your own resources. And a lot of people don't know that you today, Nate, you could, if you needed one, you could do a Google search. You could find somebody who is an accident reconstructionist, a professional engineer, the people who train police departments and for probably less money than you would think, have them go out there, run a drone, do investigations, uh, make sure that measurements of physical evidence that's on the road, you know, when there's crashes, there's generally evidence that's left on the concrete from that in one form or another. And you can get that preserved for you and your family in case you need it down the road. Uh, and, and so that's kind of the, the, the first step is empowering yourself through the investigation. Okay. So the first step is, is are you able to get police reports typically if you're involved? If your family's been involved, so go for the police report, you're saying, get educated on who was involved, the level of competency of the people doing the investigation, et cetera. Do as much, ask as many questions as you possibly can. And then it sounds like the first 24, 48 hours are really critical to get yeah. back out to the scene and run, hire some independent contractor to go out and do this. And yeah, at least I mean, you have an independent opinion. Listen, in, in every police department in America, if somebody is killed, that's a big deal. And so, uh, you know, the, the bigger the department, maybe a little bit more of the bureaucracy. But in my case, my mom was killed in Winter Park, Florida, a small police department. You know, I called up the secretary to the police chief and asked for an opportunity to speak to the police chief, just not, not to be critical, but just to understand what was going on and to say, uh, I want to introduce myself and give you and tell you a little bit about my mom who was killed in your city yesterday and, and understand, you know, what what the plan is moving forward. And a lot of people think, man, I would never do that. But the fact is police officers and police departments are public servants and you have a right to engage with them. And most of them are, are interested in having your involvement and to understand, uh, you know, what family they're, they're dealing with. And so that that's kind of a part one. Uh, hey, before then, we get to part two, I just want to ask Kyle, were you and your firm involved at all in your mother's case? 
or is that obviously they're in Florida, you're out in Colorado. So you need to have the ability to practice if you wanted to in that state or whatever the reciprocity is, but were you guys involved at all? Yeah. You know, um, my law partner, uh, Darren Shanker, we've been partners since 1996, uh, called me up, you know, um, I'd already spoken to him about my mom being killed, but he called me up uh, about nine or 10 hours later and said, Kyle, um, I know this doesn't feel like the right time, but um, just say go and let me find out what happened down there. And I said, go. And he said, you got it. And, um, and off to the races, he went and we, we practice nationally. I happen to be licensed in Florida also, but we have handled cases in, in multiple states around the country. And so we have a lot of connections and uh, we had a professional engineer. I wasn't involved in the hiring of that, but my partner took over and, 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 and got that all going and found out some, you know, very important, crucial information. One of one thing we, we learned, for instance, is that um, you would like to think, so most vehicles have black box data. When you think about plane crashes and black boxes and we hear about them, most vehicles now have a lot of data about the last 60, 90 seconds uh, before an event occurs. And there's event recorders that once you start driving the vehicle again, it records over it and erases it. Well, um, you want to hope that if something happens, especially a fatality, that that black box data is preserved by the police. They take the vehicles, they impound them. In my case, you know, a 40,000 pound concrete mixer truck killed my mom. The Winter Park police had no place to put it. And they allowed the concrete mixer truck company to take the vehicle from the scene with promises that they were going to preserve the information. And in this case, you know, maybe that's fine. Okay. Maybe it is, maybe it's not, but you know, boy, isn't that, I don't know that you want uh, to put the people who killed your mom in charge of preserving the information. That's an example of, of how important it is to get there early. Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. So you guys were involved in that. I, you said yeah. you never watched the video though, that was captured from the no. street. You can't no, watch I, it. I, but yeah, Darren I, watched Darren, of yeah. course, watched it. Your team watched it. And yeah. uh, you guys proceeded as you needed to. Okay. So uh, the first step, obviously, police investigation or any investigation that's occurred, ask questions, get the records, get the reports, and maybe even hire your own person to do an independent review, independent investigation. Okay. Yeah. So then, then what, what's, what's next? Well, you know, chronologically, what's next is dealing with the medical examiner's office. And do you need an autopsy or not? Is somebody going to, you know, claim that, uh, your your relative was intoxicated or had drugs in their system or what have you, and so you know we're working with with the medical examiner's office, and it sounds awful, but it's important because you know especially family members who want to be cremated, you only have so much time to to collect information, and if the police or the medical examiners deem it necessary, it's a public expense and they'll do it, but. You know, if somebody dies in a hospital or dies in a, in a manner that is questionable to the family, but maybe the law enforcement isn't uh, taking it as seriously, you, again, uh, you have the right to ask for an autopsy and the county may or may not do it. You have the right to hire your a, a private autopsy and, okay. and, and these things can occur. And then you're dealing with the, the, uh, the of course, the funeral home. And you, then you have to deal with um, things like your, your relative's uh, on light, online life. You know, my mom walked out the door believing that she was going to come back and continue her life. And that didn't happen. But uh, 
what do you do to, to uh, get access to uh, people's social media or Facebook or, or other online? And you'd be surprised if you actually looked at the terms. Many of them, if you don't know how to access them, if you don't have the passwords, you can never access them. Right. But, some, but some of them, if, from a proactive perspective, did you know that you could go into most of these platforms and there's a method by which you can set up that if there's no activity on your account with for 60 days or 30 days, or you set the window that, that you can, that that platform will email the relative or the person that you identify with your password and login information. Right. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty cool to know. Yes. Uh, so you have, you have the medical examiner, you have the funeral, of course you have all that stuff, but that's all the real short-term within days and weeks of, of this horrific, tragic event. I would assume a vast majority of the heavy lifting begins post-funeral then. Because yeah. you, like you mentioned, an estate, you have people, she had her dogs, she had her home, she had her lifestyle, all of her belongings. So where, where, where do you tell people to go from there? How do they handle that? Yeah, you know, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's a really difficult thing to walk into somebody's home that we expected to come back to it and where the lights on and there's groceries in the, uh, in the refrigerator and the pets are so there. Eerie. That's such yeah, a eerie feeling. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, terrible. Right. And you know, it, it's things that, that start uh, happening, uh, accessing somebody's bank account, for example, even knowing where the bank accounts are uh, in my mom's case. Um, you know, she had a car. Uh, we didn't know whether it was, it was a newer car. We didn't know whether it was <clears throat> paid off in full or not, uh, you start, you know, is there a car payment that's due or an insurance payment? How do you get access to all those things? And, and there are ways to do it. And the first is to try to determine you know, is there a will? Um, where do you look for a will? Did you know that for instance, uh, people can file their wills publicly with, uh, with the County where they live and it, and you can locate wills there and you may have to call an attorney that they may know you can look in the house for a will. And how do you know if it's a, if, if it's an enforceable will, what is an enforceable will? We try to answer kind of all of those questions as well. But it, what it really does in, in, when you read this uh, in, in advance of something happening, you get, man, I should be making some lists, right? Uh, my mom didn't. We didn't have her account numbers. Thankfully, my mom was the historian uh, uh, of, of our family. And she, Shutterfly, these Shutterfly books, uh, I mean, she literally had hundreds of these books that she was working on at all times. And she'd been working on one that day. And so we were able to access the Shutterfly account. It was open on her laptop when my wife went in, uh, mm-hmm. as was her Facebook. We were able to, uh, and as was her Google, and we were able to send, um, you know, do password change notifications and have them sent to her email. And we were able to use them. But man, it sure would have been nice if we'd had a whole list of all of her accounts that were important and all of the login information so that we knew how to access them. You know, that would have been helpful. And, uh, and, you know, I found one of a checkbook and I had to go to the bank with, uh, had to call probate lawyers and get, uh, uh, you know, we couldn't find a will. If you can't find a will, then somebody dies what we call intestate in the legal world. And each state has an intestate succession law that says who gets what and who's in charge. And uh, I know because I'm a lawyer and of course is in the book, but you know, if there's a real property involved, we lawyers call real property is real estate. If there's real estate, you can't transfer that 
Unless it's co-owned by somebody, you have to go to a probate court and you have to get that transferred. What do you do about the mortgage uh, or a reverse mortgage? I mean, it's there's a lot that that, that, that comes and, and right your book you. And your book highlights a lot of these things, correct? Yeah. I mean, that that's the purpose of your book. Your book is there to help people the unthinkable, like, oh my God, this is really happening. Here's all the things that you have to do, practically speaking, to kind of unwind that person's affairs. Yeah. And I'll tell you a, a big, you know, a, a big mis- misconception that a lot of people have, and it's promulgated by bill collectors. Uh, let's say that, uh, that you're the only heir, uh, that you're an only child and your parent dies, you're an adult. Uh, and um, let's say that your mom who died uh, had uh, a $10,000 medical bill that was outstanding from a unrelated or maybe related. Do you owe it? Do you have to pay it? You're the, you're the person who's in charge of the estate. You know, what happens? Well, the estate might owe it, but you don't personally owe it. What should you do when that medical bill comes in? Are you supposed to pay it? Well, we give some real uh, good advice. I was able to interview and talk with some of my good friends who are probate lawyers who deal with this every day. And we've dealt with them and they've helped clients of ours over the years. And so you know, I sat down and talked with them and, and made sure that we covered all of those issues. And so, for instance, um, you know, medical bills will start coming in. Uh, my mom had some ancillary bills, a credit card bill, uh, owed a few thousand dollars on a credit card. Who owes it? Well, uh, the advice there is you don't owe it. You know, if a creditor believes that money is owed by the estate, then they have to follow a process once the estate is established upon you have to might give them formal notice, but then they have to file something. Well, most credit card companies, they're not interested in chasing $5,000 into probate courts around America to collect it because they already built that cost into the interest rate that they're charging. And so, you know, if you instead, you know, what we did was took my mom's death certificate, wrote on a credit card bill. She passed away. Unfortunately, here's her death certificate and sent it right back. Oh, and, okay. and so that's how you handle uh, the credit card situation. Well, and you, and, 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 then you, ahead. well, but then you also have to ultimately put them on notice. Right. And so we then sent out a formal notice, which is a legal notice. And there's a time frame for them to bring a claim. Not, not a single creditor of my mom's. Now she didn't have a lot of debt, but not a single creditor followed the process and pursued a claim. And there was then no obligation ever to reimburse any of those. Now, okay. morally, if you want to pay them, sure, go pay them. But we're talking right. about what are your legal obligations? And those are addressed here also. Yeah. But if your your parents are racking up hundreds of thousands of debt and then they, God forbid, aren't here anymore, that doesn't then fall onto your lap as the next in line, the next of kin, whatever. Uh, you're saying, I think it sounds like generally speaking, the advice is you don't have to pay it. Uh, you're going to get bills. They're going to come to you, but they've got to go through a process through the estate yada, yada, yada. So uh, that makes sense. That's yeah, actually the, some very good advice. And the, and the last thing you want to do is offer to pay it. And you'll get, you'll get these card companies or they'll call you up. And yeah. uh, under contract law, it's possible for you to reestablish an obligation that otherwise doesn't exist by making a promise to pay. And so, you, and again, they may be contacting you. You're least prepared to be having these conversations. And because- so- it, I'm sorry, uh, Kyle, I know we're getting close to to time here, but I'd like to understand a little bit. Take us through, uh, There's, it's clear that you need to reach out to various different professionals, whether it's 
medical, the coroner's office, uh, uh, police, investigative, and then, of course, other lawyers, probate, yada, yada, your estate planning. There's a lot of <laughs> professionals, accountants uh, that you need to talk to. You also need to talk to your personal injury, your medical mail, whatever, your plaintiff's attorney. You got to talk to your Kyle Backus. So take us through. When should somebody reach out to you? Should they find themselves in this situation? How soon after? And then give us just a real high level overview of your guys' process. Yeah. Well, and I appreciate that. Let me tell you this. Um, as you might imagine, having gone through this experience, our, I, we have changed the entire way that we handle uh, wrongful death cases because we now do all of this for our clients, right? Uh, we, have, we have a group of people and we, it's a much more holistic approach that we're taking and, and hopefully other law firms, it'll be a trend that goes around the country as I hope to educate other lawyers about the true needs of people. Whereas I used to think about as this is my slice, right? This is what I need to take care of on, on the part of the family. And that is pursuing the civil wrong, getting the answers about why it happened and recovering the dollars that are needed to sustain and stabilize a family and to get the appropriate compensation. That was always my role. And now you've just heard just a, a, a lot more in our short conversation about all of the things that people really face. And so what we're encouraging people to do is to reach out as soon as possible to start a process. You don't have to, by starting a process, you don't have to finish the process. You may elect not to move forward, but if you find lawyers who are having this holistic approach, like we have implemented at our practice uh, nationwide is, Hey, we're going to, we're going to talk to the police department for you. We're going to make notification to law enforcement. We're going to make sure we're going to look at the probate aspects. And although we don't do probate, we're going to find a probate lawyer who can assist you. We're going to help you talk to the coroner's office and make a decision about whether an autopsy is needed. We're going to, so that's our new, that's, that is, uh, you know, in honor, really as a legacy to my mother, if, if something has changed, I did business for 28 years one way and have expanded so vastly the scope that we're, that, that we're taking in terms of helping families. And I owe that. And these families owe that to my mom uh, because my eyes were opened in a way that you hope you never, your eyes never have to be open. But so you guys are almost kind of like a one-stop shop for lack of a better term. You're a, a central centralized resource for these victims, these victims, families. And not only are you there to go after the, the person that may have committed the wrongful death act, but you're saying, Hey, we're going to help you get situated. We're going to handle the police. We're going to handle the autopsy. We're going to handle the probate people that need to get involved, maybe accounting. I don't know. So you're, you guys are getting involved in all those aspects to, to kind of lessen the burden on your clients. That's right. And, mm. and not just my law firm, like I said, my hope is that expands to yeah. law firms around. And, and I think it's, it's a, a novel way of, of doing business because I, I think that most lawyers think that they're, like I said, that they're supposed to handle this slice and, and, and it, it's so much more involved than that. And so it's, uh, so it's then what is your overall, what's a real high level process for a person? Listen, personal injury firms here in I'm in Cleveland. There's yeah. a couple, there's a couple firms. I actually interned at one. I went off. I'm a lawyer by uh, trade, but I've never practiced uh, by education, but I've never practiced. Um, but before I went to law school, I interned at one of the big ones here. And uh, 
these personal injury firms, they've got the, the they've got the checkbooks because their marketing is there's a couple guys in town that do a ton of marketing on the Cavs games, the Indians, the, the Cleveland Browns. Um, they've got their taglines, their punchlines. You see them everywhere. You see it everywhere. So, you know, people always see serious lawyers for serious injuries or we're going to make them pay. But what is really the, what's going on behind the scenes? What are you guys doing throughout the process? Right. So first and most important, and you're right, you see them, you see them everywhere, uh, you know, finding the right lawyer, meaning finding a lawyer who is dealing with what your situation is, uh, not once a month, just like we talked about the police investigation lottery, right? Find somebody who this is all that they do, or that, that they're every day they're handling wrongful death cases or catastrophic injury cases. That cuts out a whole bunch of lawyers, okay? And then know that any good law firm, that they're going to do this on a contingency fee basis, meaning you're not paying unless there's a recovery. So you don't have to come out of pocket on the front side of these things. That's they're, huge. They're basically taking a, a gamble. They're doing, making an educated guess based upon the facts and circumstances that they're going to get paid eventually. And so they're going to get paid a percentage when, when there's a, a recovery. And the other thing is, you want a firm that is connected and willing to advance the costs of hiring these investigators to get out there and do what needs to be done with the caveat that if they decide not to pursue the case, you don't have to pay them back. Right. So that it's really a for free of charge. And then once what they're doing, hopefully, is they're conducting an investigation into uh, and preserving all the evidence regarding who is at fault and trying to, to see what needs to be accomplished to really get to the answers. Because the great thing about the civil justice process is the family is in, in control, not the government. When we talk about, and we talk about this in the book, the difference between a criminal case and a civil case, the criminal case, it's the government making decisions and they're trying to enforce society's rules. In a civil case, it's your family making decisions and you're trying to protect your family. And although it might have greater implications for society, this is about you and your family. And it's the only place where that's occurring. And so yes. you get to make the decisions how far to go with it, when to settle it, if not to settle it, what to settle it for. Now, you can't control if nobody wants to pay you or offer money or if there's no insurance, but that's the other. So once the investigation is secured, that law firm, next thing we're doing is trying to find out where are the recoverable assets? What's every insurance policy that's available that can contribute? Is it a life insurance policy? Is it a disability insurance policy? Is it social security disability insurance? How much insurance is with the at-fault driver? What insurance do you have? What health insurance? So we're putting together this package, right? And looking at this of what are what's the payee, what are the available pay or sources that are that are going to be out there so that we can tell families? You know, one of the big issues is that a lot of people are driving around with not a lot of car insurance. And so, for instance, in Colorado, $25,000 is street legal. So that means if somebody kills somebody out on the road here today and they have minimal insurance and no assets, they might only have $25,000 to, comp to compensate a family. Well, mm. there's other sources. There's victims' compensation funds that the government's run. And now that's limited also, but that might be another twenty-five dollars or 30000 You might have your own auto insurance policy that covers you. So the next step is figuring out those insurances and then sitting down with the family after taking a look at the investigation, looking at the available insurance, and then talking about what, what are the family's needs moving forward what answers are, do we still need to get? Do we need to file a lawsuit to take depositions? You get the power of a subpoena, the power uh, to take depositions and put people under oath who might not want to otherwise talk to you and get answers. So there's, yeah. a, there's a lot involved. 
Yes. Well, so you took well, a couple of things. You mentioned contingency fees. What do you guys take? About 30%, a third, somewhere in that yeah. range? Yeah, the, the standard is about one third of okay. the of the total uh, recovery at the at the end of the case. That's right. Okay, and, and you do you guys only get paid once the the money is actually realized by the families? Yes. Okay. Uh, that and that's true of any good personal injury lawyer anywhere in this country. They right. should be telling you that they're going to advance the costs so that they have the financial resources to to take this case, and then. They get paid the moment you get paid the same time. There's a distribution where the family gets paid and the lawyer gets paid at the same time. What's the biggest settlement you've ever secured? Well, uh, my law partner, uh, I think about four or five weeks ago, just received a a $27 million uh, verdict in uh, uh, a medical malpractice case. Uh, We we got a $20 million verdict in St. Louis in a uh, catastrophic injury caused by a product defect uh, about six months ago. And so it runs the gamut, right? I'm only working on, we have a team of people at our office. We've tagged them, named them. They're called the elite litigation group. It's a, it's a small group of people who work nationally, who completely limit the practice to wrongful death and catastrophic injury. And so there are other firms that do, do similar things. And, and so uh, it is not, uh, uh, it's not unusual for us to receive multi-million dollar resolutions on behalf of families, but things have to line up. What I mean by that is we just talked about the insurance issue. You know, you could have a $50 million case and a $25,000 insurance policy and, uh, and the recovery is yeah. $25,000. Right. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. And people are going, Oh my God, these guys are making five, six, seven million dollars at times on a case. But what they don't see also is all the cases that you, and the blood, sweat, tears, resources, that you put into other cases that might give you nothing in return. So you spend months and maybe even years to receive zero compensation. That's right. And and that's the offset. And and there are lawyers and we would, we certainly would do this on an hourly basis, just like a traditional lawyer, but most families, the last thing that they need to do when something like this has happened to their family is to start coming up and paying legal bills uh, to to do this kind of work. And it's very intensive and there's uh, an entire team involved and the general timeframe, if a case goes to court is a year to two years. And I think our law firm currently has, you know, more than $10 million out in client costs uh, that we're advancing on cases right now. Uh, that mm. is is our money that's put out there, you know, to to help build the cases that we're working on. Fantastic stuff. Extremely insightful. Uh, I really wish you all the best. And I, I'm so sorry about your mother. But with everything, with every tragedy, there is some type of silver lining. It sounds to me like your silver lining is your new holistic approach and the way you approach all your clients in a wrongful death case. So. Hopefully that will spread throughout the country, like you said. Uh, where can people, if they want to learn more, work with you, where can they find you online? So uh, I, there's a website for the book that uh, is kylebacchus.com. So um, they can go there to kylebacchus.com. There's a, a, a button there that says contact me. I, I encourage people, if you see things on the, the site, it's a resource. It's got a link to every wrongful death statute in, in the country. It's got a link to uh, victims' compensation and victims' rights statutes, every single one for all 50 states that are there. And, and we want to provide, like I said, as a legacy to my mother, we want to provide um, as much information to families who are going through it. And anybody who works with victims, whether that's a counselor, whether that's a victim's advocate, anybody, I will give them as many books free of charge 
as they need to help those families. My goal as a legacy to my mom is to get this book into as many hands as possible. Uh, when I was talking with the publisher, they said, what's your goal? I said, if one family reads this and their path that they're traveling following a tragedy is, is made easier by it, then it's been a success. Uh, and uh, I went 29 years without ever writing a book. Uh, this book is written definitely as a legacy to my mom. And uh, we're here to help as many people as we can. Beautiful. And we'll link it up in the show notes. Kyle, thanks again. And uh, really wishing you guys all the best. Hey, I really, really appreciate the opportunity, Nate, to get the word out.